Yo, hello everyone. This is your boy Khalif, and welcome to another episode of the podcast called Forced Fear. Yes, Forced Fear. Forced Fear is the podcast that will cover anything in the horror genre, as we said before. As right now, we're covering Fear, The Walking Dead. And also, we have a double special surprise for you. Um, this past week, I was watching another movie. Um, it was called The Dead 2, India. It is the sequel to the mega hit of The Dead, but we'll get into that later. But first, we're going to talk about Fear of the Walking Dead. And here is our sponsor for today. Our sponsor today is GameStop. It's for the gamer in you. GameStop is a place where you can get not only Xbox 360, Xbox One, PS3, PS4 games. You can also trade in your old systems smart devices for store credit. And also, there still is the sale for the virtual reality bundle. So go ahead and get that. You go to our website, type in gamestop.crusade.net. It'll take you over to GameStop. It costs you nothing extra. It just shows that you are giving us, showing your support to GameStop and putting pretty pennies in our pocket. Thank you guys for that. And thank you for joining in. So let's go ahead. As I said before, we don't usually do, ah, how should I say this? A play-by-play recap, if you will. But I'm going to go over the episode because I'm here alone. Yeah, that's right. Um, We had a family issue and we had to go up north to settle some things. But I had to come back and go to work at my other job. And... My lovely co-host, Jamie, she had to stay up there and take care of some of the family things. So, yeah, so thank you guys. Those who know, thank you for your support and your prayers, your good vibes. If you're an atheist, your good feelings that you're putting out into the universe, we really thank you all for your support. So let's go ahead and jump right into today's episode called Blood in the Streets. <laughs> well, hmm, what is my opinion? It feels a little awkward because I usually love talking about this show with Jamie's, but I'm, I feel like I'm talking to myself right now. So if you guys feel like you want to chime in, you can still use, well, use the email, the newly created email, forcedfear at crusade.net. And that is crusade with a K. So since this isn't this isn't your play-by-play recap, I'm kind of going to stick with certain storylines until they're completed. So as the episode opens up, we got Nick swimming to ocean. Well, hold on. Swimming to ocean. Jesus Christ. Where's my English ability? <laughs> well, let's go ahead and give it that brief synopsis. Uh, the synopsis is the group, the group lets a family in distress aboard the Abigail. Strand's past begins to come to light, and Nick's looks and Nick looks for an associate of Strand. So there's a lot of things going on in this episode. Um, my opinion, I guess, as Jamise would ask, my opinion is that, once again, I'm going to give credit to what credit is due. These episodes aren't bad. They're not the best, but they do keep me entertained. They do keep me watching, although I do love Strand. 
Strand is a very, very great guy. Uh, he just, his theatrics, his charisma is really, really, really captivating, if you will. No, <laughs> sorry, guys. Um, But yeah, but um, I really loved it. I thought this was another great episode. I couldn't really, I mean, there are some bad things in it. Um, you got the pop star from I forget the song Jamise played it for me the other day playing Reed, but um, so it's not that bad, not that bad of an episode. It was pretty good. Was and 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 also I enjoyed that the fact that it's a continual story is continuously progressed. But I do have this problem, and I will say this ahead of time. Okay, when AMC gave the green light on and and signed the show to a second season, I heard there's supposed to have been 15 episodes, just as what they did for The Walking Dead. Walking Dead, the mother show had six a sixth show introduction. It was a hit. They gave it like 15, 20 episodes or something like that for the second season. So I heard that they were going to do six for the Fear of the Walking Dead for season one. And then for season two, they I heard that there was going to be 15. But as I was watching this episode, and it said during one of the commercial breaks, stay tuned for the, we only have three more episodes of season two of Fear of the Walking Dead. And I was like, what the hell? So I had to go check this out at tvmuse.com. tvmuse.com is actually a pretty good website. If whatever TV show you're interested in, it has some stuff there. People talk about it. I enjoy it. Mostly because when I lived in Korea, it helped me keep abreast of what episode I was on for whatever show I was watching back in the States. So we have... As I said before, so let's go ahead and get into the show and you stop hearing me jibber-jabber. So Nick is swimming is swimming to shore. He makes land. He He's walking through like a sea of tents because Mexico has closed down the border. That's right. Mexico, just as in the day after tomorrow when Americans tried to go south, the border was closed by the Mexican president. Not and in this case, they didn't want infection to come from America to Mexico. So they shut down the border. People were camping out in tent towns. <laughs> and as they were camping out, they began to, you know, die off. <laughs> so as Nick is walking around the land, he begins to see this one walker kind of just stumbling along. He's making noise because he seems to have a plan for something. And as he catches one zombie he covers himself he kills it covers himself in zombie guts and then later on as i said before i'm gonna just keep going on with his story because he has kind of like a one set mission like this one thing that propels a story so he's sent to land that you find out that he's looking at this note and as a, a um a symbol if you will to let the guy that we're looking for that Nick is the Nick is cool and he was sent by Strand. So as he goes through this um this neighborhood or this neighborhood that's being built by Luis's boss, he finds Luis, he tells Luis sent Strand sent, sent him and 
he gives him the note. And he finds out that his boss was Thomas Abigail. And where is Strand? Strand's back on the boat. And we can and he informs and Luis informs Nick, because Nick was because Luis was surprised when he said the others, and he said, What others? I was only I only have enough money to get two people across the Mexican border, not seven. So as they're making their way back to the boat, Luis and Thomas, he tells that he tells Nick that Luis and Thomas were raised together. And that's about it. So go back to the boat. It's that night that Nick left. Chris and, Ophel- Chris and Ophelia are talking, you know, about things that they live, what have they done. But then three people are yelling that they need help. They're spouting off from a raft and they get up. They just force themselves aboard saying, we need help. We got, we need help now. Chris pissed me off because I don't know what is this dude's problem. He hesitates because we know the rules. We just saw the previous episode when Strand said no extra. No extra. And he cut the ties with Alex and the burnt boy. <laughs> so Dondi's dude, he's like, dad, dad, should I shoot? Should I shoot? Oh my God, dad, should I shoot? I was really ticked off. I'm like, dude, if you got to, and the guy Reed tells him later, if you got to ask the question, should you shoot? Somebody should already be dead. <laughs> and I love that line. Awesome line. Because that is true. Um, you see this in old gangster movies when he's like, you pull a gun on me, you better pull it. When you pull, If you pull a gun on me, you better pull the trigger. You better be prepared to pull the trigger. I mean, hell, even in Blade, Blade says, in Blade 1, he tells the doctor, there's another world underneath it. And sooner or later, you got to be ready to pull the trigger. Yeah, I watch a lot of movies. I'm a xenophile. A cinephile, my bad. <laughs> so, the th- so then the three come on board. Maddie takes the pregnant girl away. And then the three hijack the ship. Strand noticed what's going on. He looks for the machine gun. But damn, Daniel, he took the magazine and did something with it. So the machine gun is practically a big-ass paperweight. And Strand... Is, so then Strand gets the idea, we got to get off. I have to get off the boat. Everyone else is up shit creek without a paddle. As Strand is fleeing, Reed um, sees, or Jack, who we come to find out is Jack, is the same Jack that Alicia was radio tendering, <laughs> if you will, on the horn, the PB radio, the portable radio, tells um, Jack's like, should I shoot? Basically, Jack hesitates to shoot. Reed comes by. He shoot. He fires twice. Look like he hits Strand, and he does definitely hits the raft. So Strand is out in the water, a good distance away from the ship, floating. And as Alicia, she hearing all the commotion, she comes up and she hears. She recognizes the voice as Jack. And while Strand is splashing about in the water. It gives us a flashback. And this is the part where I really, really 
enjoyed the episode because the mysterious. As Jamie said, um, the mystery of Strand. Who is this Strand fellow? What is he? What does he do? What did he do before the apocalypse happened? Who is he? We find out. <laughs> Sorry, um, I was cleaning up earlier. My damn dog um, peed the bed. And I'm not talking about her bed, uh, my bed. So I end up having to like clean it and whoo, I still have bleach smell in my nose. Oh, I don't know how. Ugh, damn dog. So we get a flashback of Strand and we find that Strand had lost everything in Katrina. Uh, if you don't, uh, for those who are not from America, Katrina was a, horrendous, horrendously strong hurricane that hit New Orleans end up flooding the levees that helped basically um, retain the water or absorb the water. The levees broke and end up flooding the neighborhood. So you find out, and it was a tragedy, displaced a lot of people. Uh, people, I remember this, I remember it quite well. A lot of people had to come and I was pissed because the news called them refugees. I would not call American citizens who lost their home refugees. Maybe transplant. I like the word transplant. But they end up being displaced to other areas, Houston, Dallas, um, other places around the country. So, yeah, that would mean that was the best. But you find out Strand lost everything during Katrina. He was discussing all this with some man at the bar. And he asked Strand about his dad. And he and the guy kind of guessed Strand's accent. He's from the West Coast. And he said, oh, and Strand's dad, he says, well, tell me about your dad. And he's like, oh, my, my father was a strip mall preacher. Which kind of explains he had a very lovely voice, a baritone. So it shows that, you know, that creamy voice that Strand has. I guess he emulates that from his dad because his dad was a very charismatic preacher. He had these theatrics about him, and I and I'm pretty sure that Strand like has taken on some of those qualities. And his mother, he asked about his mother. He said his mother wasn't around. The guy doesn't introduce himself yet, but he talks about he has to tell all these people that he has to foreclose on their homes. And Strand says, "Oh, don't you feel bad?" He said, "No, you you can't feel bad." You can't um you can't feel bad if you're obligated. So as he's talking about being obligated to the business and his father. So he says, "Oh, sorry, my mistake. You don't care you don't have to care if you're obligated." And as they're laughing about this, he kind of puts his arm around Strand and they're looking at each other. Now, as I'm looking at this exchange between these two fellows, I, I felt that there was a little sexual chemistry between these two guys. I don't know if you disagree. Um, you could always email me at forcefear at, cru at crusade.net. But there was possible, I believe that there was possible sexual chemistry between Strand and Thomas. Um, we find out that his name, in the, later on, that his name was Thomas Abigail. And if you got that, Thomas Abigail, the boat is also named Abigail. So those of you that figured out or made that connection, the I believe the boat is the boat is definitely not strands, which Daniel 
had did pick up on it because he's like, it's my goddamn boat. It's a boat. It's a ten million. It's a ten million dollar boat. So when picked up on those two clues that um, it's not his boat, he began to realize that you know we find out that it's definitely not his. It's actually Thomas Abigail. But why does he have Thomas Abigail's boat? So as so later on in the flashback. The man gets drunk. Strand takes him back to his room, not his room, but the man's room, Thomas Abigail, gives him a bottle of water because we all know once you've been drinking and you're drunk, you're going to wake up a little dehydrated. And as he gets his wallet, he goes through his wallet, takes out his credit cards. And then the next time we see the man in the show, the man knocks, he keeps knocking, someone keeps knocking on the door. When Strand opens the door, it is this guy named Luis Flores. He introduces Thomas Abigail to him. And he's confronted by Thomas about the $36,000 that he took in cash advance off his credit cards. Now, I did think about this. I've been robbed. And knowing that I was robbed, I immediately called the credit card companies to let them know that, hey, my cards are gone. You need to cancel these cards. I didn't have any of these charges on the card. But no, Thomas just allowed him time to take out the money and track them down. Could it be possibly that he wanted to see Strand again? I don't know. It's a good question. And so he, Strand says, if you're not going to call the cops, please, if you're not going to call the cops, uh, well, then thank you. And he says, well, what did you do with the 30000 You spent 6000 on clothes. What did you do with the other 30000 He bought debt. And he, so he figured out that Strand is really a demand. He's a, he's a shaker. He's getting business done. He's going to give him back his money plus interest. And then he kind of feels like um, he seems to like Strand. Something about Strand is as drew as is drawing him in as he drew everyone else in. And so they make a deal. He tells him to come meet me at the bar. And he says, thank, and Strand tells him, thank for the pardon. He says, I didn't pardon you. I obligated you. And so then we find out later in the episode, um, Luis is trying to close some deal in L.A. You hear from the housekeeper, who is Luis's mom, who also raised Thomas, uh, Thomas Abigail. And Strand tells him that he's going to have to go up there and close on that strip of land. Because if they do not, someone else will grab it. And he's like, don't talk business to me. Let's just sit here and enjoy the beauty of this place. And so the next night, Strand, and you see them holding hands together. And I'm like, oh, sookie, sookie, nah. Go, go get it, Strand. You know, I'm not mad that you like men because you're really charismatic. It doesn't matter what you do in the sheets. But you're taking care of the team. 
And so as they were arguing, Strand is going to L.A. before the crap hits the fan. He said, just give me two days to close the deal. I'll be right back. And so when he goes to L.A. to close the deal, the crap hits the fan. And that's when we see Strand locked up later in the gate, in in the makeshift gates at the um, fort or the makeshift fort by the military. So So finally... So we finally find out that that Strand and Thomas are together. And I really thought, to me, I thought it was an interesting twist. I mean, it's not really shocking to have a gay black man. And to have, but it does explain why he's so charismatic. Also, we know that he's been working with Thomas, so he made all this money, so that was his house. But maybe he shares that with Thomas. Maybe they're life partners. Who knows? But back on the boat, they're searching for the keys. Reed, one of the guys, he's the tough one of the the three that hijacked the boat, is threatening Chris. Kind of makes some incestuous jokes about him and Alicia. And he's like, that's my sister, bro. And he's like, ooh, you're diddling your sister? That's sick. And so as he starts to ask about the keys, he slaps Trav- he slaps Chris with the gun. Travis offers that he could hotwire the boat. I didn't really get this because he keeps asking for the damn keys. He keeps asking where are the keys. So they said so Ruben or Daniel says you shot our capitan. He's out there in the ocean. And as he said he shot the captain, he's like y'all guys you guys are not lying to me and they're like why didn't they just keep saying, no, you really shot our captain. He must have the keys if the keys are not there. And Travis didn't, I don't really think, why did Travis offer to hotwire the ship? I don't get this. He had no reason to kill Chris. And he, Reed had no reason to kill Chris. And Travis had no reason to offer to hotwire the ship. Because it was Reed who shot at Strand. So Reed is going to be pissed off at what he did and immobilize the boat, which then when he keeps talking about this guy named Connor, which is their leader. So when Connor finds out he shot the captain and lost the keys, <laughs> hell, I really believe that Connor would have some, to have some words and some issues with Reed because Reed was acting all hot-headed. And as Alicia is talking to Jack, she's wondering how many came before her. Jack began to apologize about every, for everything. He doesn't really, and she keeps saying that I like basically seem like she's asking, I need my family protected. And he's like, Oh, I can protect. What about me? I can protect you. I can talk to Connor. He listens to me. And he says, Okay, well, what about my family? And all Jack says to her, and as he walks away, Connor listens to him. Connor listens to me. What do you guys think? Was that a lie? I truly believe it was a lie. Only because that later on in the ship, you find out from when he talks, when Jack radios Connor, that he's like, hey, you got Travis and Alicia? They already knew who they were coming onto the ship for. So I'm wondering how did they already know the names of these individuals? Could it be because Alex was found floating in the water? 
And as I said last episode, that the episode that basically Alex is going to come back and bite Strand in the ass because he cut the rope. The boy probably died that she was trying to protect. And this is her way to get back at them. Told Connor and Jack, told Connor, Reed and Jack about the boat, what it looks like, and sent those three out to look for the boat. So so then they're like, so Daniel tells Madison to keep the girl, the pregnant girl, occupied. As Madison tries to distract the pregnant girl with questions of info on the pregnancy, Reed seems really interested in knowing how to hotwire the ship as he's walking with Travis. Alicia begins to say, tells Jack, they're having this really weird heart-to-heart. She begins to tell she wants off the boat. Strand is no better than Reed. The things they had to do on this boat. She questions the stories about Jack, about his girlfriend. And he's like, there's only one story. There was only one story that I told you, and that's true. But everything else is a lie. Douche. So they all, and he, so Jack informs her that Reed is the crazy enforcer because that's his function. That's his purpose. They all have their purpose. His purpose is to use his voice and his stories to connive people into falling in line with Connor, I guess. These pirates are jacking people. <laughs> and while Jack is on the radio, he informs Connor that about, he informed Corn, uh, Corner, Corner, Connor about the <laughs> situation. And she wants to be with, and she, and she tells Jack she wants to be with Jack, but needs to know that her family will be safe. And Jack tells her this thing that basically the reason why he does what he do is because he has to. He has to because Connor saved his life. He doesn't want to, but he feels he's, I guess, obligated to. The language seems quite similar between what Strand told what Strand told Nick that he's obligated him when he helped him out in the prison and helped him out in the makeshift prison. Um, what Thomas told Strand and what now Jack has said about Connor. But I'm wondering, is a is she when she says that she wants to leave with him and she's now trying to be nice and he cuts her loose, is she playing Jack? Or does she really want to be with him? Was there some love connection over the Tinder radio that they were playing? I don't know. You guys tell me at Cross at Friendly Friendly Fire. All these FF combinations. Force Fear at Crusade.net. So as Madison scares the girl about the baby, she asks about has the baby moved? Has the baby moved? She doesn't quite remember when the last time the baby moved. So she said the baby could be born stillborn. The girl gets mad, slaps the mess out of Madison. And she said it could have turned. Connor comes on board, takes Travis and Alicia. And while and after they leave, Luisa and Nick shows up. Sorry. Apple soda. Nick takes... Um, Nick is looking through some binoculars and say there's some people with guns, some extra people on the ship. And Luis looks up, grabs his sniper rifle, pops them in the head, takes them out. And now they're trying to say they're as they took back the ship, they're like, okay, let's go to Mexico. But Luis informs them there is no Mexico without Strand. But 
you know, they don't know what we, the audience knows, what we know. So there is no going to Mexico. And so Daniel says, we don't need Strand to go into Mexico. And it's like, well, Strand didn't need you, but here you are. So we need to go find Strand. And the episode ends as Madison takes the little raft, the motorized raft, goes out into the to the ocean, sees Strand there, and drags him back into the boat. Whew. I mean, a lot happened in this episode. Oh, and when they oh, and the dude Reed got stabbed in the back with a crowbar. Yeah, and it, it, it pierced him. They shish kebobbed him. I just want to let you guys know if you haven't seen it already. It was gruesome. It was real gruesome. But yeah, what do you guys think of the show? You can come to crossfire crossfire.crusade.net, check out on the podcast page, um, and join the community. Join us talking about the show there. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.ke crossfire. And that's K-E Crossfire. Like the page. Leave your comments. We'd love to hear from you. And so here's what I was thinking. And I was really trying to ponder this. Why is Connor so interested in Travis Travis and Alicia? This doesn't make sense. Is it because, well, as of Jack said, that they all have their parts. So if Travis showed that he is somewhat of a mechanic almost, maybe they can use him for their ship? But what is the stock in having Alicia? Is it primarily just for Jack so he has some boomtang? I don't know. It's actually interesting. I think what I believe is that they have their purpose. Maybe Alicia might be a sex slave for the the group. I know that's dark, right? But this show is pretty damn dark. And we have Travis, who's going to be their mechanic. And I think they're trying to kill the rest of them. But we're forgetting about Juan Rambo. Um, Daniel, who's ex-military, should be able to take out some forces or something like that. But, hmm. Well, let's go ahead. We're going to wrap that up. Let's go ahead and move into our review of The Dead 2. Now, The Dead 2 is a zombie movie. I really enjoyed the first one. It takes place in Africa. This guy, he gets dropped or parachuted in. He's stranded in the middle of the desert. He's trying to walk around while avoiding zombies in Africa. And I've always wondered, I've always looked for like a zombie movie that takes place in a very crowded area. And what better place than a zombie apocalypse happening in India? Now, the synopsis of this movie is an infectious epidemic spreads throughout India as an American turbine engineer, played by Joseph Milson on TV's 24, Live Another Day, learns that his pregnant girlfriend is trapped near the slums of Mumbai. Now he must battle his way across a 300-mile wasteland of ravenous undead. All I can say is, did I like it? I love this movie. I thought it was awesome. I mean, it was very interesting, some of the things they brought up and the stories that were told and how they tied into the main story of the movie. Um, 
you had the basically a little back history. The American engineer, played by the guy from Twenty Four, he um, he had a girlfriend once before. They went through this whole pregnancy issue. He wasn't ready to be a dad. He kind of convinced her to have an abortion. She had the abortion, and when she did, it destroyed him. Question: Why did he get all like flip flippity floppity? On the fact that he didn't want to have the kid. Now he had... Oh, sorry. I've I've just remembered now. It's because it caused her complication and made her extremely sick. I mean, she may have gotten better, but it probably ruined their relationship or ruined whatever they had. And then they probably don't even talk to each other, which is why he's now working in India. But... In an area where there's arranged marriages and you hook up with the girl... You're not strapping up and now she's pregnant? <laughs> Come on, bruh. I need you to do your job. I need you to do your job. If you're gonna play the game, you gotta play to play you gotta pay to play in a uniform. Strap it up. Put put the equipment on and go to work. That's all I'm saying. But as he's going through, he he's out in the in like the frontier land of India where all the turbines are. He has to, like, escape that place. He he basically go plane, trains, automobiles. He tries to fly with one of those parachutes, the f- parachutes with the fan. I thought that was really weird, but interesting. I've never seen that used. If you, if you forget what I'm talking about, um, during one of the fights of Holyfield and Riddick Bowe, they're having a heavyweight title fight, and this guy, basically, he's... He comes in flying in on a parachute, crashes into the ring, and almost hits um, Holyfield's wife or, or Riddick Bowe's wife, who was pregnant at the time, which I thought that lost the fight for Riddick Bowe. But he has to go through the land. He escapes that. He goes to his station. He finds out his station is overran, is over, overran by zombies. He runs over. He ends up meeting this little boy named Javed. And this is where I thought the movie really picked up. There was a really nice chemistry between this man helping out this orphan boy. I mean, God, this kid was really cute. And I was just like, man. And he just seemed really genuine in his acting. That's what I loved about it. And so he goes on. He makes his way to Mumbai. You find out that the dad hates him. She's already... The dad is already working on the marriage arrangement for his daughter, but doesn't find out that um, the daughter's pregnant. They're locked up in their house. The mom looked like she's been bitten. She's sick and dying. And so, yeah, I mean, so you go through and he's struggling. There's a story that happens where it says about a king or somebody who is in love with a woman ends up being once, oh no, this guy, he tricks the gods into wanting to live forever with the person he loved the most. And so once he found, found once he had found a way to live forever, he ends up being trapped in a tomb. And when the tomb was reopened, the tomb was empty. That has something to do with the movie. I thought it was very interesting. A guy who's in love wants to save the person that he's with. 
yeah, and this little boy, and I don't understand. And so he wants to save and protect this little boy. And one of the best scenes in the movie is that um, he has this doll look like this really poorly made bear. But he says um, that's something that his parents gave to him when he was a baby, and he keeps it. And it's his sign that someone who, why would someone who doesn't, why would someone make this if they didn't, if they did not love the person that they that they made it for? So this must be a symbol. Now, granted, the the guy Joseph doesn't answer him, but and there was another gut wrenching scene. But I won't tell. Well, no, I'm gonna go ahead and tell you. This mother and her daughter is trapped, and they're getting surrounded by zombies, and they're asking Joseph for help. And then you find out that the mom was in a wreck. They can't like the car is crumpled, and they can't. The daughter's like, well, she's on the passenger side, which is on the right side, because in India they drive the driving column is on the right side of the car, not the left side. So they're on the passenger side and the car has been crumpled on that side. And when they walk onto it, when he walks upon the car, you they wake up and they're trapped and the mom's legs are broken. I think the kid is trapped with the mom in the crumpled paper. In crumpled paper. That's what the car looked like. And so you have this issue where you're trying to figure out, like, how is he going to get them out? How is he going to get them out? The zombies are coming. The zombies are coming. And he has to take care of it. So that's The Dead 2. I won't tell you how it ends. I really want you guys to check it out. Check out part one. I mean, part one got me, too, and it really made me like, whoa, this is really good. Um, the Dead 2 is also really good. I did not like the ending, which is why, I mean, if I had to rate it out of stars, I would, instead of, I would give it like three out of five because the story was pretty good. The action, the storytelling, the pacing was pretty good. The, the dialogue did not seem hokey. But it still came across as a well-done movie. Just I was hoping for a better ending. Maybe I missed something. Maybe I have to go back and watch it again. But, hey, I here it is. I challenge all of you who listen. Um, watch the movie. Tell me what you thought of the ending. Tell me what is your opinion on the movie. And maybe we can figure this out together. <laughs> I need a little insight on the ending of The Dead to India. And so... I want to thank you guys for joining in. Thanks to all our sponsors. Remember, you can go to GameStop.Crusade.net. It'll take you directly to the GameStop website, but it tells GameStop if you order online, you have to complete the order so that we get some type of credit. You just can't click click and type in the link and it says, hey, guys, we went there for you. You know, if you're really into games for the gamer and you, I suggest you can go there. They always have these great deals and sales. On games, I used I've been using GameStop since they were electronic boutique. Okay, They're, the mother company I guess it's called EB Stores or something like that, electronic boutique stores, which was the sh- that's what I bought FF Seven 
That tells you how long I've been shopping with these these people. And I wouldn't l- allow them to sponsor me if I didn't believe in their product. So if you want to email us, that email is forcefear at crusade.net. The website is crossfire.crusade.net. Twitter handle, Khalif3001. You can check us out. Tweet me there. You can get us back. You can hit me up. I, I'll always respond to you. Also, Facebook, K-E Crossfire. Okay, all one word, K-E Crossfire. I'm your boy, Khalif. Thank you guys for listening. Force Fear, out.